I think I was going to go to the bathroom, um, but now I'm just going to sit here. We're just going to deal with it? Yeah, we're just going to deal with it. All Try right. not to urinate live on air. All right, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Pit Against a Live Flesh and Blood Call-In Show. I'm joined by my cousin co-host, Kevin Smurf. Perfect. Kevin, what's up? Hello. Hello. Pit Against is a live call-in show. If you'd like to be on air talking to us uh, about your take, join the Pit Against Discord by clicking the link that's in the description and that Kevin has just now put in chat. Then join the Waiting Room channel, put your hot take in the Topics channel, and we'll pull you on for a mic check and then put you on air. I'm running a little late. <laughs> what do you want to talk about first? Is there anything in particular you wanted um, to, to talk about first? Oh, actually, there was one thing I wanted to talk about first. Something that happened today, yeah. actually. Okay. Some news dropped. There's a new sure. s- there's a new set announced called Mist of something. Uh, I don't remember. Part the, the mist veil. The the vapor in the mist or something, and uh, the vapor yeah. in the air. Yeah, uh, and it looks really Part cool. The They've already We've hinted seen one at the piece fact. Of art. Yeah, they've already hinted at the fact that there's definitely going to be exactly three classes, and that the classes are going to be ninja, w- wizard, and merchant. Stop. And everyone knows it's going to be that because it says specifically. Uh, let me see if I can find it here somewhere. It's 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 everyone's posting about it on Twitter right now. I can't immediately find it, but it was something about, uh, or maybe I should just actually go to the page instead of, yeah, go to the article. Uh, quote James White, can't wait to share MST with you all. This set is peak TCG design. That's super cool. So it says, we'll see. That's a big claim. Like, like the tiger stalking its prey, they have waited. That's Ninja, obviously. Like the waning faces of the moon, they have waited. That's Wizard, obviously. Like the snake hiding in the murky water, they have waited. You know what that is. That's Merchant. And I can tell you why it's Merchant. Because in Outsiders... <laughs> They're snakes? <laughs> They're cheating you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in Outsiders, there's specifically a card that conditionally is a 1 for 5 that blocks 2. What's that card called? It's like Spring Trap Snake or something. Spring load. Spring load. Pocket snake. Pocket snake. snake. It's a generic card. Merchant. We're getting our first merchant in a draftable set, and I'm so glad that they uh, have officially announced that. Uh, They have not officially announced that. I am. That's all the speculation. Speculating that I'm going to do English uh, Uh about the set. Anything you wanted to add to it? Uh, we only have one piece of art, and people think it's Amira, the illusionist character from, not Passing Mirage, but Flicker Trick, and a couple other illusionist cards. Um, Mirror something? Amira? No, no, the card where it's like a person and there's a bunch of mirrors around them. Fractal Replication? Is that her? I think so. That might be another one. Um. Fractal mining. Yes, that looks like her. Spears of Serality. Yeah, Spears as well. I don't know. Seems cool. I guess kind of cool. Illusionist, maybe. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. It'll, it'll be James like every White set where we're not where we think we got it, and then like it comes right up to the spoilers, and we're like, no, nah, we didn't have it at all. 
Yeah, which is why I'm not really trying. Yep. Uh, as the creator and lead designer for from the 13 booster sets we've released since 2019, Part the Mist Veil is the one I'm the most proud of, quote James White. What the Frank? Where did he did he say that on Twitter just now or something? This is in the page, like the the oh. page. Wow. Uh, he's very happy That's that it is interesting. with our best work yet that players will celebrate this milestone and welcome our new Japanese fans into the global flesh and blood community. That's super cool. Oh, also the pre-release the is going to be in yet. Japan. You going to Japan? Premiere. Premiere. The premiere. Uh, I will not be going to Japan. On that note, I am I'm, so excited. I'm that gonna go to gonna Amsterdam. Be... Oh, yeah, fair enough. Oh, are you? That's cool. Yeah, for that pro tour. Oh yeah, there is pro tour isn't there? Uh, the yeah. world, uh, <laughs> the world premiere is great because there's a short stint in time where I didn't think we'd have any more premieres because we had Tales of Aria, and then I think Uprising, Uprising. didn't have one, yeah. and I was Uprising like, did. Did they? Yeah. Oh. It was in Vegas. There was a there was a set where they didn't have a premiere, and I was like a little panicking. Yes. We weren't going to have any anymore. They didn't for Dynasty, and they didn't for Outsiders. Or... They didn't for Outsiders. They didn't for Outsiders, and they didn't for Bright Lights. I was like, "What the frick? Premiere should world premiere should happen every draftable set at least. And if we're just having draftable yeah. sets in the foreseeable future, it should be every set." I'm uh, down. So I was kind of nervous we weren't going to get some ever again and that was going to be something i was going to like tell my nephews you know i i got to watch the whatever world premiere to be there for from the my couch uh because i never went to any of the premieres none of them were like nope. in my backyard so i couldn't i couldn't go to them um i know but... for uprising they did three world premieres like simultaneously because they did like sydney oh europe my and gosh. las vegas that's why we didn't have world premiere for bright lights and outsiders it took them they got stocked they got... up they... for <laughs> they uprising took... yeah yeah uprising took them uh, but yeah. we didn't know it that at the time <laughs> all right that's crazy um yeah no, all right this, this is also going to be the set that's used for nationals drafting and for Amsterdam drafting, I'm pretty sure. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so there's two months, I think, between release of Mistvale and Amsterdam, or like seven weeks or something. Um, okay. There's only like three weeks between, two weeks between release and U.S. Nats. Mm -hmm. And it's drafted there. Well, uh, our... That'll be fun. What other big events is Heavy getting drafted in? Or uh, LA and then ProQuest Season 5. LA. Yep. That's cool. All right. Well, uh, is there any other topics you wanted to get into real quick? Um, do we want to talk about the, the lying at the table stuff? Do you want to talk about that now? Let's talk about that now. Sure. Okay. okay. So... Recently, I'd heard about, uh, and I'm sure it's it's just going around in the TCG space, where they're talking about, um, does stream quality look good to you? Uh, da, 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 da. Looks a so, little... Oh, it's auto-setting me to like 360. Hang on. It'll be all right. Uh, that's better yeah, than it looks fine. for me, then. I don't know. For some reason, my preview looks bad. But um, huh. there has been... There was someone who was complaining about specifically... And I'm not going to go into their situation too much, but background for why we thought of this was um, 
there was like a person who is notable in the CEDH community. I don't know the person very well, but they were very upset because there was a game that happened. I don't remember if they were a part of it or not. Uh, where you know, there was. So the way you know CEDH, it's a it's a multiplayer game, but it's very try hard, and it's I think it was in a tournament setting. So like there are prizes on the line or something like that, even if they're yep. not huge like the idea is like there's prizes on the line but this is a multiplayer game where people kind of work together and the game ended where one player uh basically lied their way to victory like saying that they had they didn't have the winning combo in hand and so that they could work with other people to stop this other thing from happening and then they did just have the winning combo in hand and they they just lied their way to victory and that person was upset about and i guess they you know it makes sense in a way and i guess the hot take that I would take from this and present is I don't think I don't think that's very sporty. I think lying at a TCG table is not very sporting. So <laughs> I mean there's so much to go with that, right? There is. Like there, there's a lot to go with that. And so I think part of this is the context matters. So let's, let's reframe the context back to, you know, something we're more comfortable sure. with. The, we'll talk about specifically well, like, what, how would you define the context? Like for make it easier. So to about. that was a, it, it was, a, it was a game of commander EDH, but it was a, it was a CEDH game, which means it's competitive. Yeah. It's a tournament setting. Like you said, prizes on the line. This, to me, feels no different than if you were to just say, I don't have it or I have it or whatever. At The the analogy that always came up was poker, but like, um, like if you were just doing, if this was just a 1v1 game and you just asked your opponent if they had it and they said no, like, are you one... Why are you inclined to believe them? Especially a competitive game, stakes on the line. In a competitive game where the object is to the objective is to win, plain yeah. and simple. Yeah. And it is a competitive game and they took a line that didn't involve playing cards <laughs> where they win. Oh my gosh. Like I, that's, I don't that's know. it. They so, took a winning line that you didn't, you took a risk on that they were not lying. Yeah. Because they are not, they are not under any obligation to tell you the truth about private information. True. So which let me, they're handed private information. Let me rephrase it all the way on the opposite side of the spectrum. I'm at yeah. an armory. I'm playing with people that I know very well and see regularly and uh, a situation comes up where they're just like, "Do you, they're like, do you have it or you don't? Do you have the pummel? Or do I just lose right here? And I'm like, no. And they're like, okay, well, I'll just play it that way. And then, and then I do have the pummel. And it's like, I mean, th- there was yep. no reason for me to lie right there and be like, no, I don't no, have the pummel. The, this, the standard response that people give that the people that I play with that I know okay in that situation the standard response they give is mm, 
That's a great response. I've heard you. Maybe. I've seen you guys do it before. I don't know. Yeah, it's a very good one. I don't know. I don't know if I have it. Mm. Maybe. Maybe not. It's like I and I I like this is something that's like literally come up in like games here after I moved is like it came down to like the way that someone was blocking was whether or not I had an Asvali in hand because I had one point of arcane and could they go to one? Yeah. And they're like, man, if you just have Asvali, like this is bad. I was like, that would be pretty bad. <laughs> I didn't have Asvali, but it was just like, yeah, that that that's would a be rough, bad. In that, that scenario, that, would if be you bad. block this way, and Asvali does kill you. Actually, did I have Asvali? I did have Asvali in that scenario, actually. Oh my gosh! All right. Um, yeah, but like it's, I'm, I'm also, I will fully make a distinction between like an armory where it's like if somebody's gonna just try to like fully convince you they don't have something just to slime their way into an armory win. Because, like, there's a difference between, like, yeah, giving a non-answer and, giving, and, like, trying to convince them that you don't have the pummel. Yeah. If you are actively trying to convince them that you don't have the pummel when you do to get an armory win, no, that is, I would define it as unsporting. Yeah. Um, but I think you also are going to have different table manners at an armory compared to a battle heart. Or a calling. So if it happens at a calling or something like that, where um I think both people are going to have different approaches. And yeah. the person who is in the situation of if they have the pummel, I lose, they're going to be behaving differently. If somebody's trying to convince me they don't have the pummel at a calling, I'm probably gonna play as if they have the pummel, which then if they're trying to next level me, we'll see. Maybe so, it doesn't matter. Maybe I can't play around it no matter what. Maybe I can play around it either way, and it doesn't matter if they have it or not. So an example of something like this at like a more competitive level in a 1v1 event, like a flesh and blood event, not like EDH, is... Which, um, yeah. I, I've, I've had this happen to me before. I've seen this before, where it's like, you know, you're sitting at the table, and then, uh, you know, there's... Uh, Oh, how do I word this? Uh, you're at the table. You're playing out the game. It's coming to a close. It's getting pretty close. Everything's kind of tense. And then one of the players who's, you know, maybe they're blocking for that turn or something like that. And they're just like, I have this, this, and this in my hand. Yeah. It's a competitive level event. They've announced that they what they have in their hand. As the person who is blocking. Sure. I mean, I mean, in either situation where you're just like, I have the sauce, you know, in your hand, like you just tell them what's in your hand, yeah. uh, for the other person, are you inclined to believe them? I mean, what if they're lying? It, if this what is a competitive level event, yeah. not really. Yeah. Um, I think if the choice is on me, I am considering the whatever line they suggest plus any other possible line i can think of like great and now you've reminded me you can do this but also i'm thinking about other things yes i'm not going to fixate on that is it something i'm going to keep in mind that they can potentially do yeah if they can actually do it and they haven't missed the math on their part like that doesn't i'm i'm probably not taking into account the fact that they said it Okay, so how about in the case, and this is getting, this is changing the topic a little bit, where it's like, what if the case of I say that, 
just to get in your head. I played. Uh, uh, if it get, if it uh, gets in my head, then it's on me. If I play Crippling Crush, I have pitched three blues and I have two floating and a card in hand, and I'm like, I got the pummel. We're not at reaction step yet. You are still playing on blocking, and you're like, I'm like, I got the pummel. Like, is at what point is it like goading? Is it like you're trying to get in their head? Is it is it a problem? Is it sharking at that point? Is it on the individual of the blocker at that point not to like? get wrapped up in it uh it depends on how obnoxious the person is being if they're doing this on every turn then sure if this is just on a single turn which also that example i don't think is good i'm gonna block no, three cards yeah and pummel it true. and force that over okay i'll give up my last card i guess true um give me a give me a scenario where it is like, like maybe a problem cnc pummel cnc pummel that's a good one yeah cnc pummel you have tunic and one floating and you have a card in arsenal yeah. or just a card in hand yeah, yeah yeah like that is a situation where it's like all right do i play around it do i not and i think regardless of whether or not you say something there is a correct choice for me that doesn't okay. depend on what you say fair um, um if you're saying something on every turn just to be obnoxious and you're just like threatening like you're just actively trying to be obnoxious and say you're threatening pummel every turn yeah uh if you're going out of your way to threaten pummel every turn especially when you don't have it on half the turns or most of the turns because you only have three reds and probably no blues at this yeah. point yeah i i think you're gonna be throwing away so much value that i'm gonna start looking to capitalize on it i guess that makes sense no that makes sense but you say that, like, but like, I, if you sit down at a table, it might be different, right? If this is top eight of an event, there, there, it could just mess with your emotions, regardless. I think the event would mess with my emotions way more than anything my opponent could say. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, like that's just it. If my opponent's just, I, I, I am not. It is not difficult for me to tune out my opponent. Well, I guess, I guess that's the point I was trying... I, I guess I'll, I'll get to is it's not necessary... It's un, it's probably unsporting, but it's not cheating, obviously, yeah. to do that. It, and in your response, it's not even wrong because it's actually a bigger flaw on the person doing it. They're wasting time doing it. Yeah. <laughs> they're getting hung up on these outside-of-the-game like, things to yeah. mess with you. Like, I, I specifically, so, and it's interesting because people are like, oh, but their turn is done. They've decided what they're going to do. All this stuff is like, no, there is information that you can glean from the way your opponent blocks. If you think you are done making choices because you have sent your last attack of the turn, you are wrong. And if you are going to spend your time talking and trying to get your opponent wound up, you're probably just going to miss something. I, I think you're going to miss stuff, and I think you're going to make mistakes. And like yeah. at that point, are you watching what your opponent's pitching? Are you trying to re-remember, you know, the pitch stack for yourself or maybe the other person? Are, like, are you so watching many what things... your opponent's pitching? Are you watching what your yeah. opponent's blocking with? Yeah. If yeah, they yeah. block with a card, what does that tell you about the cards they have left? Yeah. Like they're blocking with a blue, I, and they're playing Phi. I don't know. Like, maybe that's a bad example, but, like, the idea is just, like, there's there's better things to be yeah. wasting your time on. Um, yeah. 
And like, and, and so I will, I do also want to loop back a touch, which is EDH being a for a multiplayer format. The politics there are inherent. Yeah. They have to be. Yes. Because you are one person at a table of four. And if you don't play politics, you lose. Well, EDH is a little different. You do have to play politics. Um, but from the like two games of EDH I've played, have you played any EDH specifically? Like competitive? I've not. But okay. like the way that just it's from kind the of way UPF for us, works. Yeah, it, like, and, and it is. But the way the, the EDH games that I played was, is it was like every imagine you're like, as soon as you sit down the table before you draw cards, it's a nuclear arm race and everyone's got their finger on the button. And it's less yeah. of it's it's politics for a minute until someone's like, hey, I think I can win the game. And then what they do is yeah. they spread out their hand and the whole table discusses whether or not they win right there. Because it's like, okay, this guy probably wins. Like, yeah. but but it's probably convoluted. So how does he do it? And so it, at that point, it was almost like playing uh, like a D&D game or something like that where we're all just kind of working sure. together to see if he can actually kill us through us. Uh, and in that sense, it was much more casual. Like competitive EDH felt very casual because we were all just kind of working together to like understand how the combo yeah. works um but i like, don't know if, if it, the interaction with the other players seems like an inherent component of that format yeah because yes. if you become the target you lose true true so if you're saying you don't have the combo you're not the target true seems like somebody would want to say they don't have the combo if they want to win so maybe they're maybe they're a dirty little liar and you got to think about that a little harder. maybe they want to win True. weird especially in a particular cdh yeah, game where they might have uh prizes yeah. online let's here let, let's put it let's put it this way mm -hmm. if someone asks you if you have the combo can you actually say yes you can always say yes but then they have to decide you have whether to be saying yes to everything to the point that they know that you saying yes doesn't mean anything hmm. like yes like it th this it gets into like the actual like politics of the way you play that format yeah because of the dynamics it's Make, like that that's an sense. inherent that piece sense. of it where like yeah people are gonna lie <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Um, in a CD, in a CEDH game, yeah, that's a part of. That's not something you should be surprised by. You don't have to True. like it. You don't have to like getting got by it. Yeah, but if you are surprised, you're at the wrong table. I feel like a little bit. Yeah, I, I think I think that's another part of it. Is it's it's and I think we've talked about this before. It's probably just two different groups. Like there's probably a group that wants to play it more like poker, and there probably is a group that wants to play it more like ED, EDH, commander. but commander. But like your decks are yeah. just juiced to frick. Uh, yeah, and so I don't know. It's they want to play high power commander, and like yeah. it's yeah, and that, those are the two groups you see butting heads on Twitter right now. Yep, are the people who are okay, are okay with the 
interactive game, the the person to person game. I don't know why it took and me and the this. group that wants it to be the cards. Yeah. I don't know why it took me this long, but it also reminds me of just people talking about uh, UPF. Uh, at UPF events, they have gold foils that at one point yeah. were valued at uh, like twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe not valued that anymore. <laughs> you think the Icelander players were ah! lying about what they had in their arsenal? Uh, well, the particular <laughs> Icelander I played against in my about... finals uh, was actually a real sweetheart, and they were they worked with me super well. Um, oh yeah, but... I bet the Icelander players who were lying bombed out relatively quickly. Yes. Yeah. At but least, they're gonna like you. You could always tell when you sat down at the table who's who's trying to win, who's trying to have fun, who's trying to win. You could just see the air around who, them. Who is who is willing to win at the expense of fun? Yes, you can feel that when you sit down at the table. Yes, um, and even even in my like top pod when I I won a gold foil, it was like two people sat down and they were willing to win, and then one of them yep. ended up like flipping, um, and just had an agenda. <laughs> which was also really cool to watch. Um, oh, yeah. But... Yeah, is that uh, is that against the rules? Is targeting somebody against the rules because of... No, it's whatever not. Whatever interpersonal interactions have happened? It's not. And in that case, it, hmm. in this particular case, it was actually pretty cool <laughs> for me. Uh, but <laughs> it was, it was like, all I, so crazy. Um, I, but, I view... Yeah. I view 1v1 formats, especially Flesh and Blood, way too numerically or objectively to care what my opponent's doing. The further you get from Flesh and Blood 1v1, the more the interpersonal interaction, like, can matter. Like, like you move literally from Flesh and Blood 1v1 to Magic 1v1, and then it might matter a little more. it's going to start mattering. Yeah. Yeah. Just because they play, like... A like uh, I believe in most formats, they play like a best of three in tournaments. Yes, right, and that already uh, matters think... a lot. I mean, you might yeah. still play objectively in the sense of you saw them play this way the first game, so you play this way the second game. But also that that has to do with them as a person. It's less numerically and more objectively. Yeah. But like uh, I don't know. It's it's that's a good point. The armpit. He's got a lot of thoughts on this right now. I, I'd imagine, yeah. uh, you know, bringing yeah, up UPF. Um, I don't know. It's a really interesting topic, and I do think this is why in, the in Commander they definitely talk about having a rule zero, where the idea is you sit down and you say, this is my deck. This is exactly what it wants to do. This is the amount of infinite combos that are in it. This is the kind of game I want to have. If you destroy this my lands, I'm going to pee on your car. Like this, uh, this is roughly what turn <laughs> I can kill one person at or three yes, people at. Yes, like, those are also important. And, you know, also pet peeves and other things. And, you know, like really yeah, setting here's, here's an environment card, is important. Here are the cards that I have in my deck that people may not like. But, like, all of this is, like, casual commander stuff. Yeah, this is casual stuff. This is where if you were to just straight up lie and say you don't have the combo and actively try to convince somebody you don't have the combo rather than go, mm, So what would you do in the situation uh -huh. you're in a competitive EDH format uh, for money or prizes? We'll say money because it's, you know, prizes have value. Uh, am I the one being asked if I have the combo or am I the one trying to figure out if somebody has combo? You in both situations. 
if I'm trying to figure out if somebody has combo and I know that I don't have a way to stop their combo and deal with the other person has to be the asterisk on this situation. Yeah. Because if I can just deal with both, I'm like, I don't care if you have combo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I stop it. I kill them. It yes. still works. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm not trying to ask them. Fair enough. I don't want to. If this is like a fully competitive scenario, I'm going to avoid asking them at all, if at all possible, and I'm going to try and get whatever information I can from the gameplay from playing the that game. they've done. Because that's the piece that doesn't, that can't lie. True. Yeah. You played this card at this time. Yeah, you did. You the have thing. these this many resources up. You let this happen. You let this happen. You didn't let this happen. Okay, and now if I ask you, as I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and I'm like, Kevin, do you have the combo? Do you have the combo? Like, do I need to be concerned about that? Mm. <laughs> you just Maybe. Think again. All right, we'll wrap that up right there. I, pu I put it in my hundred. Mm. <laughs> I put it in my hundred. It might be my it hand. Exists. It might not. All right. Do you want to? You don't have a way in... to stop it. That is a risk you take. Do you want to bring in our first guest for the evening? Our sure. First caller? Yeah. Might be All our right. caller for the evening. Um, yep. And while you're doing that, I'm just going to shout out. It says seven days ago we had Sleep Strong and Ash Firecrest. Uh, Follow us on uh, freaking whatever this is, Twitch. Follow us on Twitch. We really appreciate that. I believe I probably shouted them out last time, but it said it was only seven days ago. Um, so I just want to say, you know, if you want to be on the show talking to us, all you got to do is show up uh, and ask a hot, spicy question. If you ask it in Twitch chat, we can bring you on to the Discord. But, like, uh, I don't know. It's it's twitch.tv slash the table pit if you are watching this stream later. And then the Discord information will be on that Twitch. Or you can just ask us in chat. But uh, we have a caller with us. Caller, what's your name and where are you going from? Hello. Uh, hey. I'm Jesse Harper. Yay. I'm calling from, you know, Nashua, New Hampshire. Um, and my hot take is that Spectra is a good design. It is it is a oh. well designed keyword and mechanic for the game. Yes. Okay. I will even add that I think Spectra is an overall net positive for the game. Ooh. Okay. Uh, okay. Can, would you care to elaborate on that for us? What What is it? Oh, how, how does the game specifically benefit from it? Because people need to be cognizant of their decisions in deck building because it is a keyword that exists. Okay. That's good, right? So initially when I think of that answer, I think of like if I'm building a deck, you know, one thing I always have to keep in mind is what is my guardian game plan, right? Because every deck needs to think about the fact that there is a deck that wants to stop you from dealing damage and will hit you with a hammer maybe later. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that is like one of those, it's, it's a, in the way that you describe it, it's similar in the fact that you have to think about these things when you're making a deck, your game plan needs to account for your opponent's game plan. Uh, Correct. Kevin, what's your thoughts on Spectra? Um, or should I give mine first? 
I, I want to hear yours first because I, I think you are I feel way like more you're passionate gonna, about it than I, I am. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you're probably going to give a more level-headed response. So I'm just actually going to swing uh, probably the full opposite direction. Uh, Spectra is Spectra is a pain. It is it is. I'm not going to say an unfun mechanic, but no one has fun when it's being played. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it uh, the, the way Spectra reads, I, I should just go ahead and pull that up so I can read it. But like Spectra. Um, yeah, let me just let me just pull that up real quick so I can. Uh, Spectra, this aura can be attacked. When this aura becomes the target of an attack, destroy it and close the combat chain. The attack does not resolve. Those last two little little quips right there where it's like the combat chain closes and the attack doesn't resolve is a nightmare. Some decks live off of uh, their on-hit effects. Like I think like Dorinthia. Dorinthia swinging her knife at a shadow is not doing a whole lot when it comes to putting counters on that Dawnblade. Um, unlike unlike with dragons. Sure. Because you can punch a dragon. Uh, Still on theme. So yep. the... So the problem is just for a large portion of decks, your game plan doesn't just change a little bit. It changes wildly. Right? Um... Like, it's, it's not like I'm accounting for the effect that my opponent wants to play where they're fatigue milling me versus playing a mid-range game, right? Like, Bravo mid-range versus, like, Bravo block you out, all, all D-reacts. Bravo, Bravo oops all D-reacts is different than Bravo uh, oops all on hit effects. Um, all pummels. All pummels. So, <laughs> oops all pummels. Oops all pummels. <laughs> so, in that sense, it's kind of like... That that's a change, but it's not a huge change. Uh, whereas with Prism, it's just like, okay, now I can't do this entire core mechanic of my gameplay, right? I don't know if I'm arguing this well enough. Like, what am I missing here? Like, like it shuts so down certain I, heroes. Go ahead. I have a couple. Like, I I get the gist of what you're trying to say. Like, yeah. it does feel unfun when you're in certain heroes that really get blown out. When you're like, well. They've resolved the Genesis. I need to kill that, right? So what What yeah. do I do? I can't continue my turn. But that's overall part of the flavor of Illusionist. So The flavor is to be on fun? Oh, oh, oh no. What I'm saying is <laughs> the, the flavor of Illusionist is you have to make those decisions, right? So we're, we've presented you as the Illusionist with a thing that you can't determine is real or not real. Okay. What here is so, play again? Uh, I play Riptide, dude. Okay. You want to okay. talk about a bad prison no, no, no. matchup? No, no, no. We, we, we can talk about, about that. Not, that's not what I mean. You say you say you said we there when you were talking about illusionists, and I was like, hold on a minute. Is the, Riptide the pulling one over on us or we'll something? Say, we'll we'll say. <laughs> sure. But so there's commonly two ways in in the like fantasy of illusionist right that mm -hmm. is you see through it either you're too strong to be fooled by it and you don't care which is phantasm right true my things are power six true or you're too smart to be fooled by the illusion right you're you're too uh okay. mentally tough to fall for it so when you're developing your game plan into illusionist 
and they play something with Spectra, is you did you have the forethought before you went into this fight to say, hey, my plan into illusionist is just say, I don't care what you're showing me. I'm just going to punch you in the mouth. That is, or is your is your plan is your plan to get rid of all their illusions so that they have nothing left? That is that is a good point. That is very flavorful. Now, what I will say is that's not that uh, the flavor is cool. That's not fun. <laughs> so right, so like, uh, what's what's fun is you have a game plan and then you execute on that game plan, right? So like, some people might say. Uh, Bravo dominate crippling crush into dominate crippling crush into dominate crippling crush is not fun to play against because I don't get to play the game. It's fun when I'm also allowed to play the game. Uh, you know, Azalea's crying because you did the dominate crippling crush on repeat until you could pummel CNC because you just drew perfect hands. It's unfun to play against something that won't let you play. Spectre doesn't let you play because it just says. I'm going to perpetually outvalue you with these auras on the board that just increase in value over turn, like we brought up Genesis. Or, uh, uh, Frick, the other side of the coin that I didn't, that I was talking too much about the other side to think about. Dromai? Phantasm? Well, Dragons? I, it's, it's like, either I hit, that's, that's it, either I hit the Spectra and then my turn ends, or I don't do that, and then you just fully outvalue me over the course of the game because of this perpetual building value on board. And it's like, I'll lose the value game and just lose the game. That's understandable. Or I hit the Spectra, and then I lose my turn. And that's the unfun part because you don't get to do your game plan. So, no, you so, do. You made the choice to not do your game plan. You decided to attack the illusion. So? True. You fell for it. You got got. You got duped. So it is the problem with Spectra or with Guardian not having enough action points to kill Spectra and present damage? That do suck. Actually, I'd rather ask the question of, because we never got around to it, Kevin, is Spectra good for the game? Uh, I'm trying not to think about Spectra... this from a Guardian perspective, just as he's trying not to think about it from a Riptide perspective. <laughs> yeah. So Spectra... The, the problem for Guardian is not inherently Spectra. Yeah. It's they don't have extra action points yeah. because there isn't a good way to balance Spectra where you can kill multiple. There isn't a way to balance Spectra where you can kill multiple of them and Guardian can even kill multiple of them yeah. and it be worth it. Um, I will also say the blue auras that came out in Everfest, uh, like this one, those are good. Being zero cost was way more made Spectra Huge. way more of an issue yeah. than the four cost yellow auras because they cost four. Yes, because on the ease with which you can play these yeah. is much has a much greater impact because yeah. this is just a one card hand. Are you going to give me your turn? Yeah, and they have really good value, like haze bending. Yes, really good value huge value when over you have, the course of a game if they're untouched and even if they are have, touched it's still gonna eat a weapon swing plus yeah. one point of life yeah that's yeah. pretty good for a one card hand but oh my gosh like the the problem for guardian is not spectra it's the lack of action points yeah 
That's why they ran. That's why Starbos ran time slippers into Prism. Yeah. Is so they could just clear a double aura turn when they needed to. Well, I mean, who can and clear then, a double aura turn? Anybody, nobody, technically. Well, yes, anybody. Nobody on their most decks on their standard game plan will not be able to. Like if you're playing and not accounting for it. Yes. If we go back to Prism, or if Prism comes up here and Spectre's a big deal for all of it, then we're going to see lead the charges come back out and stuff like that, where it's gain action points, not gain go again. Um, I think Spectra eating go again makes for interesting choices for aggro decks. Because if Spectra didn't eat go again, Prism just loses to aggro decks. Yeah. Or old Prism just loses to aggro decks, excuse me. Yeah. But the fact that it eats the like, go again. The fact that it eats the go again makes for choices for aggro decks. Is this going to be a big turn and I'm still just going face? Like, at what point do I stop killing auras? At which like, auras do I kill? Yeah. Also do I run a time snap just so that they can't ALS me and eat my turn? It's also like, like uh, Fi, where it's like some of his biggest attacks are the chain enders. And it's like, I don't want to yep. use my chain ender and it be my biggest attack on an aura. Or yes. do I? Like, it's like you, these you questions. You don't want to lava burst an aura. Yeah, you don't want to lava burst an no, aura. No, the, the way the way Fi would play that is he would do his, like, four chain links, and then he'd Phoenix Flame an aura, and he'd Arsenal a lava burst. And then, next and then he'd have a turn where he just went four chain links, ignore an aura, send lava burst face. Yeah. That's what he has to do. But... Like, Spectra makes for interesting choices for aggro decks, and then Guardian is just like, it wouldn't matter if Spectra didn't eat go again. But it would still, it's still really hard to play around as as the Guardians. But as it, a Guardian, you still have a tough Dromite match, too, so, like, what's the effective difference between Spectra and Dragons in this case? It It's... Spectra is just the representation of, like, that is that is just the method of killing the permanent, which is the same as swinging a hammer at Mirror Guy. Uh, so I got an interesting uh, direction I kind of want to take this, which is, so the idea is you can beat them by being, uh, you can beat Phantasm by just being strong enough to see through it. You can beat, or you say that a person beats Spectra by being smart enough to plan for it, to, like, anticipate the illusion. Uh, how many things do I need to anticipate for in Flesh and Blood? Kano exists. That's something you got to plan for. Prism exists. Dromai's different than Prism in some cases. Like, you might need to plan differently for that. Whatever the best deck in the format is, that's probably your top priority, or the best aggro deck Dash in the format. Max. Uh, dash max you know those uh, item decks like specifically if you're thinking about guardian you got to find it you got to think about something to do with uh dash um if you're thinking about other classes other classes have weaknesses into each other right um and so like how is it just supposed to be a medical is that is that just how the game's supposed to be played is you can only cover you know so much of the pie and then you just do a medical on the rest of it like I'm just not going to run into prison this tournament. I'm just not going to run into Kano this tournament. 
current currently it kind of seems that way mm -hmm. um but that's i think less of an issue of what we were talking about before with like design of specific card mechanics true and more enough. of an issue with yeah. how lss has been directing the game right so we've seen a trend for a couple sets now up until you know heavy hitters which you know all all the decks have had a very good showing across this rtn season so far except for betsy but you know Olympia. what can you do Bet's, betsy's, so, somebody's got to be the loser betsy's just bravo you know? betsy's next bravo i i no. think it, yeah i think you know <laughs> I, I think that's their intention no no but i think that's the intention right but probably a good fill-in later but back to what i was saying yeah. was with yeah i like to pretend um, she so, doesn't exist now and then when bravo's gone that is <laughs> where she fits in sure so if you ignore so the fact now that we've exist, go ahead go ahead yeah so so now we've seen this like really wide open meta right where yeah. every hero's kind of viable specialists are getting rewarded for sinking time into their heroes and all these things and now it seems like everybody can go out on any given sunday and win a big event so uh, i think that's more the issue that the meta hasn't consolidated right so you're going to be a dog to random fringe deck x to right somebody. so yeah to some somebody's gonna have a good matchup into you and there's almost nothing you can do about it so what you have to do is say i expect the meta share to be you know 45 percent this deck or 45 percent this type of deck so I want to look at my sideboard choices as modal in a sense that I can bring these cards in to as many matchups as possible and still have them be functional cards. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. If you, if you just like can't find the slots to bring something in for Prism, then it sucks, right? Like yeah. how much Prism are you going to see? And if you make the wrong meta call, it happens. You know, it's it's a competitive environment. People try to spike tournaments all the time. I play Riptide. How many games into Riptide has the Fab player base really played? You know, so it's like true, very true. Unless you're on Talishar, I actually see a sizable number on Talishar. Uh, that's that's I, where we lurk. That's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> this is hunting ground. Um, <laughs> so is so I I guess so the idea is. Let's say I'm trying to win an event. There's going to be these fringe decks. I'm going to call them fringe decks. KO and Prism. Can I call those fringe decks? Where it's like what they do is they like prey on certain things. It's not KO, right? What do you call them? K KO or, or KO? KO? So KO is the best aggro deck in the format right now, right? Yeah. I, probably, I don't yeah. like calling him an aggro deck. He's the best uh, raw the, value deck. He, he, he is. Uh, he's a, he's, he's, he's right a very now? good raw value deck. He's a very good. He's maybe the best value deck right now. Just yeah. m moving on. He has the best numbers. Uh, yes. So Kano and Prism are things that you would have to go out of your way to tech for, but are probably not going to be a large it's, portion of the pie when it comes to at an event, the amount of people there. Is that right? Most likely. Most, I most would likely. Agree with that. So maybe your best bet going into a tournament is you target the meta by playing one of these. I'm going to keep calling it a fringe deck. One of these decks that aren't one of the maybe top five most played decks at the event. 
and so then at that point people are just playing the like is this is that how that works where it's like i i can't plan for all of these external decks so i'm just going to play on a completely different axis and that's how you and that's how you try to go to an event to win an event yeah i mean that's a perfectly sound yeah, perfectly yeah. sound strategy. Like we see it all the time. Majin Bay made second True. in Battle Hardened Hartford, right? So then there was the Prism deck that won an RTN. The right way to probably won a, won approach, a Battle Hardened. Yeah. So the right way to approach in a tournament would probably be to do one of those things. What if most people started doing that? Well, then they're no longer fringe decks, and they self-correct. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And yeah. then they self. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of a game like fab in a sense where it's like yep. e everything should be self-correcting if prism becomes the best deck then everybody shifts to a deck that starts beating prism people are and then, people watching this are just watching my brain unfold in real time as i'm uh, <laughs> learning it's so kind of it's really cool and like, it's like, elegant in a way and also frustrating like and, if you're like i want to win this event this, <laughs> how do you target like, it this can it's also just say. be like in this can entirely be like this whole thing, the way like these meta shifts can entirely be encapsulated in the like the Kano problem, the which Kano is problem. Kano isn't popular. Yeah. So nobody brings Kano hate. Yeah. So Kano does really well. Yeah. So people bring Kano hate. Kano so becomes less popular because he doesn't do as well. <laughs> and then it loops. And sometimes those loops happen like two or three times before the event where it's like, I'm going to bring yeah. Kano, and then, like, right before the event, you're like, no, maybe I shouldn't bring Kano. And then other people yeah. just have the hate, and then they don't need it because there isn't the Kano. Or, like, it, it's interesting, actually, like, because it's not like each event is a half turn of the circle. It's more like each event could be, like, a circle and a half. It's somewhere on the circle. It's somewhere on the circle. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is really interesting, and you just kind of have to do a meta. So, is there a way to like spike an event? Like, how do you just win the event? How do you just like plan for an event at that point? Again, it's, <laughs> it's just it's just like it's just like, can I put enough cards into my sideboard to make this matchup like equitable? Can I bring this to fifty fifty or better? And if so, what matchups am I getting worse in because I put these cards in my deck? It's, and if it's yeah. if you're just like not worth giving up four matchups for that one matchup which in my opinion is not worth it you just say you know what these cards don't come in i'm going to put different tech cards in for other matchups to make those matchups better and just have these really polarizing matches and just try to make like a really deep run if you want it if you run into one of those decks early and just hope you don't find another one for the rest of the, the tournament so i'm gonna um, like prism yeah was really like that actually yep. so like prism had awful matches into like Fi and you Briar. know Briar and things like that so yeah. prism players would be like well my matchups into those are kind of bad but i can make every other matchup in the game really really good so i'm just going to sack the matches that i know i already have a hard time dealing with and just hope i don't see them and just run over everybody else I, I know the answer to this next one, but just for devil's advocate, I'm going to throw it out there because someone's got to be thinking it if I'm, you know, able to come up with it right now. It's like, does that make all of the events RNG? Who gets the correct matchups all the way up to top eight? Who gets the correct matchups in top eight? I know the answer uh, I mean, that I would give on this, but. I mean, any event to some degree is going to be some amount of RNG because it's also not just 
what matchups you get it's what matchups they had to put them in your bracket um and i think one of the things that i like about flesh and blood is the pilot skill matters often matters more than whatever the theoretical matchup spread is yeah because a, a, a the way i was going to bring it up is like if it's a 60 40 matchup you're like frick i'm gonna 60 40 that's that's in my favor like that's solidly in my favor and it's like 40 percent of the time you lose that for you yeah. of the time you just lose that and so it's like yeah. and then also like player skill right like maybe they just have a slightly uh different yeah, but game then plan is it actually and... is it actually 60 40 with the person you sit down across from no never like the and the this is something where it's like if we're somehow circling like all the way back it's like you might know how to play that prism guardian matchup better than the prism player true and it might suck still but if you suddenly take it from a 1090 to a 2080 and you're one in five to win that i mean and you get that yeah and you get that win like that can change your whole tournament trajectory as as a bravo mm -hmm. i have a really good record into prisms on talishar because i've played <laughs> a lot of old prism as bravo which that yeah. that was that was actually felt unplayable <laughs> but then also yeah. uh it's, but now yeah. they don't have old luminaris yeah now they, they don't have, have eight less health yeah it's it's a lot more so reasonable even though they have spectra it's, it's not as bad yeah so so that comes back to was spectra actually the problem or was it luminaris see what i'm saying true so like i think spectra overall is a net positive because you create decision points in deck building during the game like at all points throughout yeah. it's just a good good job like and and we'll i'll i'll bring it back all the way to if you think spectra is going to be a big part of the meta should you be playing guardian so i have a question <laughs> so the answer is uh that's all i can afford uh but my question is uh in the logic of you should be prepared for whatever you can they throw at you or whatever you know what the, you can read the cards ahead of time you know what could th be thrown at you um uh does that mean there's no unfun mechanics you can plan for all of them there's no unfun mechanics I I, just, I think it's I'm just playing around absolutely possible to have unfun mechanics that does not spectra spectra's interaction with luminaris does not mean it was that spectra itself was an unfun mechanic do you think they'll bring back spectra oh. in like a meaningful way in the future like a a hero revolved around spectra they bring back more cards that say spectra not with the way they've been talking about they want action points to work okay i'm actually because gonna they, yeah i'm gonna bring up um, what, uh yeah i i think they they're talking about like action points are going to be harder to get go against to be harder to get true there's no dromai no prism no icelander where you get a free yeah. action point yeah. on your opponent's turn they want to dial back on action points fair bringing spectra back would be unhealthy in that scenario where there aren't decks that have easy access to action extra action points to deal damage and clear spectra yeah like there had to be the briar decks 
the five when decks. prism existed yeah there had to be five there had to be briar when prism existed when luminaris existed fair enough so are we gonna see much more of it now that we're moving into a meta that might have less of it no no not at all i, th I think it is done but i think it's because it was for a version of flesh and blood that they want to move away from fair enough so you don't see f you don't see spectra in fab 2.0 not as a major portion where like because it's it is coming up in new prism yeah. where they're using yeah. it as part of like the comb of divinity package and they get like a bunch of they they're getting the auras just for the effects the auras are not inherently weapons as well yeah which was also the problem is like this was just one value every turn yes that that's, that was that was a that's a whole different problem um yeah and like, then spectra is still going to be played yeah i think they're not going to introduce new cards with it and i think it's they're going to make it a pain to play spectra auras which it is yeah these are cards that you can't get other value from but these are going to be played they're not going to make more i don't think okay so... and i think we've already seen an example of this uh -huh. of in phantom tide Maw. Which is the aura they put out in, I believe, Bright Lights. What? Yes. What are we talking about? I think what they is, are moving away from certain mechanics. I just yep. think oh my that gosh. Spectra. This is the first time I've is... seen this in months. I forgot this card existed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the frick is a Phantom Tide Ma? Riptide's coming yeah, out I, as an illusionist. That's that's where this all came from. Oh my gosh, I knew it. No, you don't don't give away oh, the frick, secret sauce, frick. man. Come on, dude. Just, we'll oh, cut that out. Sorry. We'll cut that out in post. Um, it's an aura with. I think, all right, okay. That Spectra is an overall net positive for the flavor it adds, the decision points it made, and like by itself, like if there's just a a deck that plays like in ode to wrath but doesn't do anything else with it other than get the, the effect aura value yeah. correct other than get the aura value are you spending your whole turn to clear the aura if you know you can just pop every herald they play so it's like that's when you have the decision point as the player to go how much does this aura value matter versus what's actually happening over the course of the game i think yep. it's it people gave it a lot of hate yeah. Because they um, also had to fight it with Luminaris, which I will say that interaction together felt like you were climbing a very big hill once you got behind. And it felt like there's nothing I can do, I just die. Similar to how, like, when Chromide, Chromide Dust and Burn Them All and uh, Passing Mirage are all in the field together, you're just like, man... Uh, how do I get through this scenario? Like, how do I win this game? Yeah. Um, and I, I think it has less to do with Spectre as a mechanic and more that, that there were just other things making people hate it and people gravitated towards Spectre because that was the thing that was actively stopping their turn and it was the easiest thing to cherry pick and say, this is the problem. Yeah. And I think we're not going to see... We're, we're going to see people... We're going to have people come back and say they don't like Spectra with New Prism. I don't think it's going to be the same level of animosity. I think the actual animosity is going to be directed towards a couple of the angels that like enable that plan. 
Actually, or when you helmet your ravages figment at instant speed because yeah. someone's trying to kill your angel and you shoot yourself with the one to kill the angel they're targeting and close the combat chain for them. Oh, look, it's Spectre oh that I can control. Yeah. Yeah. I like, Spectre on demand. I also kind of yep. like, I'm, I've been looking at this more where it's an aura, but it has ward yeah. and it has phantasm. And it has phantasm. Yeah. Phantom Tide Mod's really neat. Maybe that's like a direction they go. Here, here's the best Ret part about Retcon that Spectra to say Phantasm and Ward 1 naturally within its text. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no. No. Uh, the best part about Phantom Tidemaw is it's an instant. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. It gets real spicy. That's interesting. I don't so think I've ever seen a play against me, so. Yeah, here's the other really neat part about it. That's printed for LL, not for CC. <laughs> That's. The I know so little. I know so little effect. about LL. I know so little. I'm, I'm not uh -huh. even gonna lie. I'm literally pouring myself a drink over this. Um, so. <laughs> uh, I think the the last thing I was gonna bring up was. Um, I'm going to bring up some of, uh, I'm going to try to say his name, Cartanaga's uh, take, where he said a couple of things that I thought was interesting, like, Spectra is stupid for new players, and yes. what the frick are the it, it rules around Spectra? It is unintuitive, it has a lot of rules, reading the card explains the card, but it doesn't fully give you the, like, the picture sometimes how yeah like the yeah. all the little bits that happen as a result of it um and so it, it can be frustrating in that sense but there's like a, there's several mechanics i would argue that are kind of like that where you're just like you what the frick is going on yeah. hey gordon i mean even phantasm like even phantasm is weird to explain to new players like it destroys the attack like it destroys the dragon that's not intuitive like, no yeah oh and that was the other thing i was gonna bring up phantasm and spectra just the same thing it's just the different side of the coin it's just the same thing sort of yeah it's just pop your attack Did or pop my attack same thing yeah is this this person trying to come on and, and talk about their the point? I feel like they have more than just those things to say about it. What do you want to do, Kevin? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I feel like uh, we've kind burn, of beat this one to death is, a little bit. Yeah, but. a little bit. I do. I do want to say burn ball is an interesting one in that it is an aura that. You Burn them all should just say I don't know item or something at this point because like it should have been would, different. Would burn them all. Would you like burn them all more if it had spectra? Yes, instantly, one hundred percent. Yes, let me kill that friggin' thing because there are certain endgame scenarios, especially when you're like on heroes whose A explodes. Um, sure. Where you need to be able to kill that, or it's just a eventual you're just going to die to arcane damage. Such a weird card. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. It, it, it's possible it'd be healthier for the game if it had Spectra. Yes, Ooh. 100%. Uh, 
does Charles Dunn <laughs> list like the hyper defensive Bravo? Does he bring Horn in against Dromai? Imperial War Probably Horn not. against no. Why? I don't know. I I'm still learning that deck. I'm still figuring so it out. If if he were, and I'm guessing you're thinking about, does it let him? Do they have to about, like, burn them all? Well, I was thinking about like maybe like dust or something. Like, is there is there a good enough so, reason to like bring it? So unless you can make, unless you get to or choose just roll over for the die. Dromai, they just sack an Ashwing. Well, uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, they, I think if the idea Dromai is... gets to choose, they yeah. will get rid of an Ashwing instead of a dust. Yeah. Or well, one, I think they can't even choose a dust because it is an Ash. They can't. Not an item. It is an Ash. Oh wow. It is not an aura item yeah. landmark Wait, or ally. The Chromai yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, it's an Ash. It's not it's an not aura an item. It's an Ash. Oh my gosh. So they're not going to choose burn them all because they can just choose an Ashwing. And it will still satisfy Warhorn. So I don't imagine it is brought in. Oh my goodness. I think the Warhorn should destroy ashes now. All right. Uh, <laughs> then they'll just choose a regular ash to destroy. Frick. All of this and sucks. Leave the Chromio one. What about heroes? It should say Great. heroes. All right. <laughs> they'll just choose an Ashwing because that's an acceptable alternative. Frick. Crazy. All right. Burn them all. Need Spectra. We did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um. I th I think that's it. I think we've covered. It. Is there anything else you want to talk about on this subject? Uh, not on this subject, but I do have an interesting art lore tie-in since we are talking about art lore and the Give new set. Me. All right, so go. Remember the blurb they put out about Which hidden one? tigers and snakes in the murky waters and yep. all that. Yep, yep. All right, go look at Spectral Prowler. Spectral Prowler. Mm. And then go look at Phantasmal Haze and tell me what animals are on those. Yeah. Spectral Prowler has a prowler. And Hayes has a. Uh... What does that look like to you? Well, to me, it looks like a snake. I think it looks like a dog, like a really long dog. On <laughs> <laughs> spectral prowler, a phantasmal haze. It's just a really long dog without legs. Uh, I'm memeing Kevin. Sure, it's a snake. Is that because it's a snake? No, and <laughs> the only other snake card besides that that we have in Flesh and Blood is the. Is the merchant pocket card pocket, pocket snake, the merchant card obviously. Um, uh, well, uh, I want to say thank you for the call. Is there anything you want to shout out? Um, no, not not really. Uh, then like uh, our Patreon. If you, yeah, your Patreon's <laughs> good. Give give them money. Push the buttons. Do the things. Yeah. Buy them coffee. No, I don't drink coffee. Oh, uh, what do UPF players drink? Shit. <laughs> Red Bull. Cocaine. Yeah, buy a uh, Red Bull. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> oh, no, you, you drink, what is it, Dr. Pepper, strawberries, and cream or whatever? No, that's Ridge. Well, Rachel bought some, but Ridge drinks that. Uh, okay. I, I've been enjoying, enjoying Coca-Cola all the time. Uh, but don't tell my sponsor if I get a sponsor that is drink related. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for the call. We'll catch you next time. See you, bud. Thank Heck you for yeah. having thank, me. No, thank, thank you. Guys. Thank you for being on. We appreciate it. That was good. Good, good conversation. Good.
yeah y'all take care see you see ya kevin so hmm. anything else you wanted to talk about no is that mostly covered I don't think so no you've mostly covered I think so i think that's all i wanted yeah. to talk about this was actually a pretty long episode um where yeah. at the beginning i wasn't sure how much we were going to get said uh but it, it it had some good conversations and i think part of the good conversations was just i i didn't fully understand something going in or the caller didn't and then learning uh from yeah. everybody else in the call uh just added a lot to it as well um yeah so i really appreciate that uh any shout outs you got kevin anything you doing nope um Nah, playing no. RTNs this week. Let's go. Philly in two weeks. Just win them. And yeah. Hashtag just yeah. went out. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you next week. Bye.